Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Primary Care Podcast. It's your boy, Dr. Mark List. Hey, uh, today's Dr. List Suggests um, is another book I read last year. Uh, the book title is called Dopamine Nation, Finding Balance in the Age of Indulgence. It's by Anna Lemke, uh, who is a psychiatrist, I believe, if I remember right. Yes, uh, she is. Uh, Chief of Stanford Addiction Medicine and... Uh, this book I thought was uh, really pretty good. Um, it was published in 2021. Um, this book is about pleasure. It's also about pain. Most importantly, it's about how to find the delicate balance between the two and why now more than ever, finding a balance is essential. We're living in a time of unprecedented access to high reward, high dopamine stimuli. Drugs, food, news, gambling, shopping, gaming, texting, sexting, Facebooking, Instagramming, YouTubing, tweeting. The increased numbers, variety, and potency is staggering. The smartphone is the modern-day hypodermic needle, delivering digital dopamine 24-7 for a wired generation. As such, we've all become vulnerable to compulsive overconsumption. Um, I thought this book was very well done. Um, it got to a, a little bit boring at times, a little bit dry, but um, overall I thought it was a really good look into... Um, uh, modern day overconsumption, the risk for um, addiction, the, uh, uh, the risk for habit formation, especially in young a a adolescents and adults. Um, I, I think it's definitely worth a read. Um, and so that's my uh, nonfiction book uh, that I read last year um, from my doctor list recommends. Now, uh, for everyone's favorite section of the podcast, uh, this gets into the primarycarepod at gmail.com inboxes joke of the week, doctor list. How do only 37 Oh, sorry, 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 misread it. <clears throat> How do 37 math teachers board a bus with only 36 seats? The answer, they carry the one. Start the podcast. Primary Care Podcast is written and edited by a family physician for an audience of other physicians, nurse practitioners, physicians, assistants, residents, medical students interested in primary care topics. This is not a podcast for patients and should not be used as medical advice. This is also a personal podcast produced on my own time and solely reflecting my personal opinions. Statements of this podcast do not reflect the views or policies of my employer, past or present, or any other organization with which I may be affiliated. Thank you for listening to the Primary Care Podcast. I'm Dr. Mark List, here to bring you the latest news, guidelines, and updates from primary care sources around the globe. Keeping it under 15 minutes long because you're in a hurry and I'm not that smart. Well, welcome back to the podcast, pod girls, pod boys, pod people. It's pod doc, Dr. List. Um, coming at you today with another episode. Um, and so today's episode, I've been I've been putting off um, talking about this topic because um, I'm a little bit biased. And that the topic is medical cannabis. Um, I uh, as of today, I have not yet done a podcast episode about this. I'm a little bit biased because um, I've been prescribing medical cannabis now um, for a little over a year, um, about 14, 15 months, actually, at this point, 14 months. And um, I have my own um, takes on the matter, my own experiences, my own anecdotes. But anecdotes are just anecdotes. And I, I really don't like that. Um, I don't like practicing that way. And so I've been looking around a lot for some more evidence-based studies. And let's talk some background information about, you know, um, medical cannabis and the actual data. Right, because at this moment, right, um, studies have really shown mixed results. Uh, my nurse always laughs because in clinic, when especially when I have a med student, I would say, you know, the science is clear, the studies are clear, or the the studies all say. Um, and so she actually uh, printed out some uh, stickers for me that basically make fun of me for saying that all the time. But in this case, the studies aren't clear. Um, Studies um, over the last decade basically have shown mixed results for medical cannabis for chronic pain. 
more leaning towards positive effect than negative effects. And some are more kind of epidemiological or observational data, right? Some uh, is more just um, looking at total amounts of opioid prescriptions in states that have either gone recreational or decriminalized marijuana um, or states that have had medical cannabis pass. So specifically, multiple studies have demonstrated that simply legalizing medical or recreational marijuana has not led to a significant decrease in chronic opioid use for those with chronic pain. Um, there's been two studies specifically that have shown that. And then there's been other observational data and other epidemiological data that have demonstrated that medical cannabis use is associated with a decrease in opioid use, um, as well as a decrease in morbidity and mortality. And, and the number of studies in there is, you know, almost uh, five or six decent studies, right? But there are actually very few uh, control trials, uh, prospective, ongoing, actual uh, clinical trials showing what medical cannabis can do in a very specific and controlled clinic environment on chronic opioid use and specifically on morphine milliequivalent, uh, morphine milligram equivalent, MME, um, uh, opioid use in patients. And this study is from uh, 2022, October 2022. It's in the Journal of Pain Physicians, it, which is the, uh, um, the, hold on a second here, the official publication of the American Society of Interventional Pain Physicians, which is about uh, 2,500, 3,000 physicians in the country. So in this study, what they did was, this was in Pennsylvania, and basically once Pennsylvania legalized medical cannabis, um, it became available to patients and dispensaries um, in 2018. And so they um, had 115 patients included in the study. And they allowed patients a trial of medical cannabis use to see if it was effective for their chronic pain. And then if it was ineffective, they could basically, uh, they basically deregistered from medical cannabis, so stop medical cannabis use. And then if it was helpful, they then would be put into the trial and then were weaned off or weaned on a lower dose of their chronic opioid therapy. Now, um, this study I thought was really well designed because it, you know, it, this is, you know, these are a lot of the normal chronic pain people that we see all the time. This was not, you know, cherry picked, hand picked chronic pain people. Um, the average median age was actually 58 years old, um, almost double the number of female chronic pain patients than male chronic pain patients. And a huge heaping amount of these chronic pain people were actually post-laminectomy patients. So patients that have actually failed surgical intervention and then were stuck on chronic opioid therapy long-term. And yet there were a ton of wide variety. This was not a um, homogenous group of patients. Uh, rheumatoid arthritis, compression fractures, myofascial pain, neuropathic pain, spinal stenosis, chronic pelvic pain, chronic postoperative abdominal pain, chronic knee pain, uh, or osteoarthritis, psoriatic arthritis, sacroiliitis, right? So there's a ton of different people um, that were included in this trial with a ton of different diagnoses. Um, and some autoimmune, some uh, straight uh, or, uh, osteoarthritis, and... The study, I thought, did a really good job of when these 115 people were certified, right? They gave them the choice. Was this beneficial enough for your pain to continue with the trial or do you want to opt out and continue with your chronic opioid therapy? 
So this gets back into the, the idea of patient choice, patient preference. And again, uh, this is, uh, I was going to save this for the discussion, but it comes up now appropriately. This is a lot of what makes placebo effect a lot more helpful. If a patient believes that a therapy is going to be successful to them, that they are more likely to buy into that and you get placebo effect um, regardless basically of the, the, the treatment effect. When, when a patient has a, a positive, um, uh, has a positive uh, predisposition, a positive bias towards believing that their medicine will work, they are more likely to see benefit. So this was kind of a real good, uh, this was a good real life trial. So basically, if the patients were going to continue on their medical opio, medical cannabis, they were going to be weaned off. And that was the agreement going forward. And so there were 40 patients that decertified, okay? And 27 of those 40 decertified because the marijuana was ineffective for them compared to their opioids. Four failed follow-up, so were decertified. Three uh, basically had negative side effects from the cannabis. Three, the cannabis was too expensive. Um, I, I'm assuming they're like us and that insurance doesn't pay for it, so that does become a big cost. Um, and then one person actually passed away, but independent of medical cannabis use and pain, um, completely, uh, apparently, um, not related. Now, in the 75 people who chose to um, wean down on their medical cannabis, okay, there were, uh, they started at an MME of 50.5. And for those of you mere mortals that don't memorize MME equivalents, um, I'm just teasing, that's the equivalent of 50 milligrams of hydrocodone a day. That's 33 milligrams of oxycodone a day, um, 12 milligrams of methadone a day, for example, right? So these are people that were on decent doses per day um, of, of pain medicines, okay? And from that 50, um, over the course of six months, they were continuing on their medical cannabis. They were weaned to an MME of 13, which is a 73% decrease in their morphine milligram equivalents uh, of daily use. That's the equivalent of only 13 milligrams of hydrocodone a day, again, down from 50 over the course of six months. Now, in this study, very few people got off of their opioids completely, right? But that was not the point of this study. This, well, I, I think some, eventually the goal would be to get off that. But um, in real life practice, we know that high-dose opioids are a big issue for a lot of people, physicians, for patients, per, for safety reasons, for overdose reasons, for polypharmacy reasons, right? There's a ton of negatives to being on high-dose, long-term opioid chronic use therapy, right? And in the study, cannabinoids were used in 71% of patients successfully, meaning that the other percent, sorry, 73%? 71% of patients stuck with medical cannabis, right? 29% of people chose, yeah, cannabis isn't for me, whether it was ineffective, again, the majority were ineffective and stuck with their chronic opioids. So these are chronic pain people, chronic pain patients. But I think the key is here is that it was their choice to get on this cannabinoid at the same time, given the expectation of, this is going to help your pain and let's trial to make sure it does help your pain. And the goal is then to limit your total use of opioids, okay? And having a good follow-up wean-off process, okay? 
And I know that for a lot of patients with chronic pain, the idea of weaning off of opioids is a terrifying thought, right? They've lived in chronic pain. They've been disabled. Um, their, their quality of life is terrible. And they don't want to wean down because they're scared of pain. They're scared of that not having anything to help their pain. And here's a good study showing that this is adding something to the regimen that allows you to back down on the most dangerous medicine in the regimen, right? And again, is this a perfect trial? No, you know, 30% of people basically failed the trial and stayed on their chronic opioids. But 70% of patients of patients saw a pretty significant overall decrease in overall opioid use daily. And I think that there's value in that. Now, clearly cannabinoids are not for everybody. Clearly there are people, you know, 27 that didn't think it was effective out of the third, out of the 40, um, three that was too expensive, three had side effects, four failed to follow up, right? So, you know, it's not for everybody. But I think when done correctly, I think medical cannabis use can be really helpful. And we're not even talking about the other types of uses that people get benefit from chronic cannabinoids, right? Reduction in the number of sleeping pills needed because they're able to get to sleep, right? So maybe you're allowed, maybe you're able to get them off of a, um, you know, a trazodone or an amitriptyline or um, even something like a um, an Ambien, uh, you know, a, a stronger, you know, hardcore medicine, somebody that's on a benzo as well. Again, I think if you're on a benzo and an opioid, you already got too many issues. That's really, really bad, but probably don't want to add cannabis to that combo until they're off of one. Probably that's a lot of polypharmacy going on. But I think that this has a lot of good real life practical applications for primary care. I think this is a good, um, if you are going to prescribe it and you've been on the fence, um, I think this is a good carrot for patients to say, hey, this could be something that could benefit you and maybe wean down on your opioids since we know opioids have lots of potential side effects and cannabinoids tend to be, um, while not perfect and while not free of side effects, uh, a much lower side effect profile and a much lower um, overdose and addiction risk compared to opioids. Um, I think that's pretty easy to say and pretty safe to say. So overall, I think a really good real life prospective trial that shows where cannabinoids can be of a benefit, and that's not of some magical placebo that does everything. Um, it's sorry, not magical placebo, man, magical panacea that does everything. Um, not some miracle, uh, you know, drug that has nothing but rainbows and butterflies and sunshine. But as a real life add-on that should not just be added on to the current regimen and allowed the status quo to continue, but given and added on to the status quo to see a reduction. Now, again. Anecdotal evidence says that I've seen a significant reduction in my patient population that have been on cannabinoids in their overall use of opioids um, in my own limited patient population, right, um, that I've done it for. In, in my practice, I write prescriptions for my partners, and so I, I'm not in control of what my partners are prescribing um, in addition to the cannabinoids that I'm prescribing. Um, but I do have this conversation with all the patients that I put through, um, you know, medical cannabis um, prescription, my, my appointment that I have with them in the clinic about the fact that in many patients that this absolutely does help their pain, um, a majority of patients um, in this study, again, 71%, uh, and that that there is benefit and it allows you to wean off other medications that might either save you money or save you side effects or save your life, right? So um, hopefully this is a, a, a brief look into the numerous, numerous, numerous studies out there on medical cannabis. I think this is one of the best studies that I've seen that applies to real life data in a real life scenario and, and how 
this specific situation where you can bring patients with chronic opioid therapy, give them the option, and should they choose to enroll in medical cannabinoids uh, as a pain option to allow that help may help allow them to reduce their opioid dose and hopefully eventually get off it completely. Um, so this has been Dr. Mark List. Hopefully, again, this was a um, helpful article to you. Um, hopefully, this was a helpful topic for you because I know all of us in primary care deal with chronic pain. So this has been Dr. Mark List with the Primary Care Pod. Reminding you, you don't need to stay up all night to stay up to date. Thanks. Have a great week. Bye.